hey, welcome back to another episode here of Contextualize. Uh, this week, I'm joined by one of our ruling elders, Ken Farmer. So, Ken, thanks for being on here, and how you doing? Couldn't be better, AJ. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Ken was telling me before this that he was talking to somebody, and they're like, do you know the format of this podcast? And Ken's just a podcast. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I think I got uh, two hits on my Christianity and liberalism. Part, so. <laughs> hey, it was it was up in the thirties. I didn't even know my mom had internet. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, well, Ken, I, I really am thankful to have you on here, and just look forward to our conversation in Acts twenty. Um, but before that, let me just ask you. Well, actually, before I ask you questions, uh, just for listeners, uh, we talked about it last week, but. Um, just a reminder that Friday we've got our next equip seminar where we're watching the riot and the dance earth. Um, so it'll be here at the church at six. Uh, we'll have food, uh, some pizza and popcorn. So, um, come out for that. It'll be, uh, both enjoyable and edifying. Um, I've really been helped myself by these films. So I hope that you will as well. Um, but I mean, um, Ken, just having you on here, let me ask you a couple things first. So one thing, that um, probably, I would guess, folks who know you and something I've learned about you is that you really enjoy reading. And so just wanted to ask, kind of, has that always been the case or and or what? I don't know. Why, why do you read so much? Why do I? Yes, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I have a lot of curiosity and I had that before I was a Christian, but I never really had a way to direct it. And then after I became a Christian back in uh, the 70s, 1970s, uh, <laughs> as opposed to Good the 1870s, yeah. 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 Uh, I found that the study of the Bible, uh, you never got to the end of it. And uh, my curiosity and my interest was, uh, I think that's where, but, uh, you know, it comes and goes as you have time. Yeah. Because, you know, with the kids, I, I didn't have time to, to read that much. Yeah. And so I have a lot more time now. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a habit, uh, discipline you have. And you try to, you, you want to uh, be able to use it to serve the Lord as you're called and to do so. And have opportunities to talk to people about things. And, uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's hopefully not a selfish thing just to curiosity and knowledge puffs up it says the you know, mm-hmm. uh, King James but really I think that the, the more you learn at least for me the more I, the more I study and learn the more I realize just how ignorant I really am so mm. uh, so yeah. it's, it's hard to get too arrogant yeah <laughs> I mean what do you think? You're in seminary. You pretty much understand everything in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, well, not yet. Once I get my degree, then <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just understand three quarters of it right now. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think maybe to something you just said made me think of this, that if we're reading in the right way, it should be cultivating humility rather than just this arrogant pride of yeah. knowing everything. Like we should be go- growing in knowledge, obviously, but... There should be a kind of a humility or a posture of, I don't know, does that make sense or is that in line well, with what you're saying? If you're honest. <laughs> if you're honest, yeah. I and mean, if you have a memory like mine where just things disappear pretty quickly, then uh, that then helps. That helps too. <laughs> I know I knew that, but I, now I don't know it. So, yeah. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, um, 
What is something that you're reading right now, or maybe that you just finished reading? I don't know, just kind of what's on your bookshelf, or what's something you're enjoying reading right now or benefiting from? Well, uh, one thing, I'm, re- I'm, I'm getting ready to start the scroll biography. Uh, okay. I'm reading uh, Robert Latham's History of the Westminster Confession of Faith, to put that into context, which has been pretty enlightening so far. Yeah. Uh, just what was going on at the time, uh, and... Yeah, it's I've never read anything like that before. So yeah. sort of Westminster Confession of Faith set in the history of England at the time. Yeah, you know the English Civil Wars that were going on. So that, and then uh, I've been reading uh, another book on World War Two uh, called Retribution by Max Hastings, and it's the uh, it's about the last two years of the war in the in the Pacific hmm. in the Pacific Theater, and that's pretty interesting as well. Yeah, uh, the the uh, just how the brutality of the war uh, and how it's leading to more brutality. Uh, the, uh, the, huh. the Western, uh, the Western uh, uh, Americans, Australians, English, we've, in this one, we've reached the point where we've become more brutal than you would think people could become but they've been treated brutally by the Japanese. They've known what the Japanese have done to the prisoners of war. They've known what the Japanese have done uh-huh. to, so, uh, to, to the people that they've conquered. And so now uh, Japanese are getting uh, more helpless yeah. and our technology has risen and things that we would have hesitated to do in the past, now we're doing like firebombing of Tokyo. And this is before the atomic bomb. So, Man. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it gives you some insight into human nature that uh, you, um, I mean, you know, yeah, we can degenerate pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Uh, wow. And it's happened before, and you know, we ought not to be surprised when it happens again. Right. Right. And interesting. Um, I know from just hearing you talk about other books or seeing what you're reading, um, it seems like. R- reading um, history, historical stuff, seems to be something you... I do, but I'm not a historian because a real historian will remember all the facts and figures and dates and stuff. (laughs) And uh, I always find it fascinating that people can remember all that. Yeah. uh, And process the ideas and come back. Right. um, If you haven't listened to those Carl Truman podcasts and lectures, then you should listen to that. But that's the way a real historian works. Yeah. For me, it's... Partly entertainment, partly yeah. the, the, the context is hopefully something helpful. Sure. And, uh, you sure. know, hopefully with some uh, growth on my part from in wisdom and being able to do what I'm called to do yeah. as, a, as a Christian. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'll give a challenge for anybody listening. If you're looking for a book recommendation, ask him and see, <laughs> see, see where he directs you. So, um, anyways, we'll we'll jump in here. Um, like I said, we're in Acts twenty. Last week, uh, Jim and I looked at Acts nineteen. At uh, really a very interesting scene there. But uh, we're gonna look at Acts twenty, and uh, this is uh, it's really Paul um, kind of saying bye, um, kind of his his parting words uh, to the elders of Ephesus. He's he's not leaving Ephesus. He's he's passing by there. Um, but, um, one of the things we see here is that he tells them that he doesn't think they'll see him again. Um, and so, uh, let me just, I'll, I'll give a little context of what's going on and we'll just, uh, talk through this, uh, Ken, 
Uh, so in verse... So you all covered the guy that fell asleep in church. You did that last week? Well, we fell asleep on that on that did guy you? last okay. week. Yeah. Jim referenced him, but we're just, we're just skipping over him. Not because he's not important, but do you have anything you want to say about him? Well, it's just interesting. <laughs> have you ever fallen asleep during a sermon? Not recently. <laughs> no, did you hear that, Jim? Not recently. I haven't, I don't know if I have really much in my adult life. Okay. That I re- remember, but I have a terrible memory. So I don't. Yeah. Have you fallen asleep in a sermon? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> but I've also not been part of a sermon that was as long as. Well, that's it a seems long like Paul's, sermon, you know. Yeah. And it was what midnight would that uh, when... It's it's interesting that when uh, when uh, God's word is being presented, that the level of interest sometimes can be so weak on our part that we get distracted. Uh-huh. We, we don't, I mean, to think that it's really God's word that's being presented and yet we cannot stay awake yeah, or attentive, attentive enough to listen to it. Well, yeah. and I, not falling asleep, but just being distracted. I mean, yeah. that's something I, I think every, every Sunday that temptation at least is there and some Sundays are better or worse than others. But yeah, and I feel that that draw or temptation to be distracted and, you know, you miss a, a something or another and you zone back in. Well, it would be, uh, you know, we've had uh, the Great Awakening. Uh, it, people were preaching in the churches during the Great Awakening before the Great Awakening. Uh-huh. But, you know, why is it called the Great Awakening? Because people woke up from their sleep. Yeah. Uh, they'd been hearing the word preach, but then one day they woke up and they heard yeah. it. So, uh, so we should be awoke culture, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The great awakening. <laughs> no, not that, not that kind of woke. Well, That's... kind of that kind of woke, but we should be able. To... Well, let's move on to the next part. Of the... <laughs> we should yeah, be the great awakening. We should be attentive to God's word. We should I think be That's... awake to God's word. Yeah. Yes. And, awake and attentive to and it, and not uh, and not sleep asleep. Yeah. Whether life. physically or spiritually or yeah mentally. Yeah. I mean, we should come expecting to hear God's word, and we're. Uh, I think I speak for the congregation. We're thankful that we do hear uh, yeah. God's word on yeah. a regular, consistent basis. The exegesis, uh, things that may or may not be comfortable to talk about, uh, but because it's in the Bible, you can't skip over them. Yeah, yeah. That's Absolutely. why I didn't want you to skip over this. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks oh, for. I did it for your benefit. <laughs> <laughs> Helping me be, be faithful. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so after that scene, right, Paul travels and he, he, he calls or, you know, sends to the elders in Ephesus and uh, basically that, you know, they meet and um, I'm going to summarize just part of this and, and maybe we can hit the middle of it. Um, though maybe, I don't know, Ken may have different ideas. We'll, we'll find out. Um, you know, at the beginning of his, his kind of speech here to the elders, he says, you know how I lived among you. And, and he talks about his humility and the trials and just what he endured as well as his, his teaching and his preaching and his testifying. Uh, so, so which is things we've seen about Paul all throughout Acts. Um, then in verse 22, he says, now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what's going to happen to me there, except that the Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So Paul's a man who knows afflictions and trials, and, and even the Spirit testifies to him that every city you go, which he goes to a lot of cities, you know, more trials, more 
afflictions uh, await him. But then in verse 24, he says, I don't account my life of any value or precious to myself. Um, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that the Lord has assigned to me. So, um, yeah, just I, I'm just going to open it up, Ken. I, any comments that you want to make kind of in that, that opening section there? Well, um, <clears throat> Paul's no uh, stranger to suffering, as you alluded to, uh, was it 2 Corinthians 12? Mm-hmm. Right, he catalogs all the... Yeah, he lists all the things he's been through already. So he knows, and he knows what awaits him. And so, you know... Uh, the the um, elders in Ephesus would probably prefer him to stay, just mm-hmm. like if I told you what was going to happen, you would probably prefer to stay too. Right. Nobody wants to, most people don't want to go face that. But right. for him, uh, he knew what was going to happen, and his the value of his life was uh, not his yeah. to spend, in a sense. Uh, Sproul commented on this, that he had a th- throwaway life. And hmm. uh, now, I don't really like that word so much, a throwaway life, because that implies that you're wasting it. Maybe. Right, right. But uh, he was disposable for God's sake is what it amounts to. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, so uh, I think that's something that we should all think about, that our lives, we might be going through tough times that might last for a year or 10 years or all your life. You know, yeah. sometimes things don't go the way you think they ought to go. Right. But God has his purpose in them. And then we're called to be faithful to the place that we've been called, mm-hmm. whatever that means right. for us. And it's all different. I think because uh, uh, he, he talks about, if I finish my course in the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And sometimes uh, I think people tend to uh, impute to that word ministry that that's only talking about ministers and, mm. you know, guys that are, uh, call to the ministry, and, and maybe it is in, in some at some level, but also uh, it's all of us that are you know just that are not called to the specific the, the tasks, capital letter the, M, yeah. yeah the big with the big M yeah on it, you know but the yeah and the word just means service yeah you know and I think that's that can sometimes be helpful yeah. like we're all called to serve we're all called to yeah. be servants of God but also whoever He places in our path yeah. That can be helpful. I know uh, it's, you know, just in Colossians 4, uh, there's a passage, take heed to the ministry you've been called to. And uh, since uh, ministers do the commentaries on it, then it's always called to the ministry. But really, the word is deacon, uh-huh. the, the right. place of service that you've been called to. Yeah. And it's not a uh, word like a shepherd or an elder or anything like that. Uh-huh. It's just take, take heed to where you've been called. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good word. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, you were talking about Sproul's comment of throwaway life, and I get what you're saying about that. And I, it just seems, so from seeing how Paul talks about his life here, um, the idea of servant to God, first of all, and then servant to others, I mean, that's just paramount in his mind. He sees his life in anything that he has just of service, How whatever God wants to do, he can do, because he's just... You know, I'm here to serve God and whatever he wants. Um, that's that's helpful to see, but it's also challenging to yeah. see that. Because in a sense, he's uh, even though he's walking this dangerous path, he's he is indestructible apart from God's plan. I mean, you know, he's he's done yeah. all these things before. Yeah. You know, 
He's been shipwrecked. Right. Day and night in the deep. Right. All this stuff. They and, left him uh, for dead. One, yeah. You know. yeah they beat him up. They gave everything to him. He's like, you know, it's like Rasputin keeps yeah. coming back from the, oh no, take that, cut that out of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he just keeps coming back. You yeah. know, he can't get rid of him. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, yeah, so he's indestructible. And we are too. We don't, yeah. Most of us don't walk the dangerous path that he walks. Uh huh. It's a good, that's a really interesting way to think about that. So he, he goes on here in, um, you know, verse 25, he says, I know that you're not going to see my face again. Uh, verse 26, he, he again alludes to his preaching, his ministry. I'm innocent of the blood of all, didn't shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Um, and just, yeah, maybe thinking about what he says there in 26 and 27, I'm, I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Uh, Ken, as you think about that, how does, I don't know, how does that apply or how, what does that make you think about preaching today? Or um, I know we've had the discussion about Christianity and liberalism, which may apply to, I don't know, just what does this make you think of kind of in our context well uh one thing when as you know because you were on the pulpit committee but the uh we want we wanted uh expositional preaching to be what dominated our pulpit and all of our ministries in the church which means uh that we we're just going to go through the bible a book mm-hmm. at a time and just uh, just go by what the scripture teaches yeah now or, or the way it's laid out so if we're going to go through first corinthians you don't have an option to exclude. Uh, I don't like this chapter. Let's, let's, just, let's just jump over it like we did with Eutychus. Here. I've known people. I, I had a guy, and, and he actually goes to church here, told me about the church he had been in before. And uh, they were not uh, the Calvinist persuasion, let's say. And when they were preaching through Romans, they skipped Romans 9. Uh because, well, you can think of some pretty good reasons to skip Romans 9, but there are, there are other places in Romans they should also skip. Right. But, uh, you know, we don't do that. We we ought to uh, hit the uncomfortable passages. Yeah. Uh, and and not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. Though it's harder to preach through the Old Testament. Uh, you know, I've suggested uh, Job for the summer series, which... Yeah. Which you can't preach through Job uh, in the summer, obviously. Uh, and I, I don't know how many sermons Calvin had on it, but like 150 like something. something. Yeah. yeah, and his collection, the, the 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 book that's out, has got I don't know how many. His his sermons were fairly short, as I recall. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a lot of insight there. But anyway, we should take things that are not comfortable in preaching, yeah. and uh, they should be covered. And in our personal Bible studies, in our yeah. community groups, yeah, you know, we're covering uh, Ruth and Esther and things that don't normally yeah. get covered, uh, but we need that. We yeah. need to hear about the minor prophets and Obadiah, whatever it was he was talking about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you just have to find them. You have to start the, the couple days in advance so you can find Obadiah so that you can <laughs> you can preach through. You can so, make it through there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I so. find the table of contents helpful in that regard, but. Um, yeah, and our, our community group, you know, we're doing Daniel right now, and uh, we just did Daniel 7 last week. We'll be in Daniel 8 next week, and it, uh, you know, it, the book just changes flavor midway through, and I don't know, for some that may be more interesting, they may more want to study the back half of Daniel, but 
there's also an element of like, man, like there's part of you that may want to avoid it or something like that. And, you know, there's other books that that you mentioned like that. And um, I think even like you said, with preaching, sometimes it's just the length of a book can can make it challenging to preach just straight through it, the whole thing. But maybe a principle in what you're saying is if we select certain things, so from Job, you know, we're only going to preach, uh, I think it's 11 sermons this summer on that, but we shouldn't just not pick the ones that we don't like. Yeah. Or uh, we should try to get the whole feel and message of the book, even though we're not going to hit every single verse of it. Like, don't just stay away from the things you don't like or avoid it or, or that kind of thing. So you think uh, Revelation would be on the table then for maybe this summer? No, I, I'm just kidding. You know, I've, I've been asked by somebody that, that we should do something on Revelation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we did the Millennium thing, but uh, I I would love to, I don't know, whether it's preaching or, or this format or community group, man, I think it'd be really actually helpful. I, I do too. It's beyond the scope of what we're talking about. Right. Now, Let's just do it right now. But the Come fact- on. <laughs> The fact that there's so much uh, interest in the book of Revelation and the fact that it's so misunderstood. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, you probably know who the Antichrist is, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I just... Uh, uh, well, I can't tell you, though. So. <laughs> well, anyway, it, it, it should be it's something that I've thought about. It's, uh, I've kind of avoided it because it's hard to understand. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So the, uh, the next thing, and I don't know, this may be the last kind of section that we get to touch on, but, um, you know, Paul in verse 26, again, he, he's giving kind of final instructions to these Ephesian elders, to these shepherds. And he says, pay careful attention to yourselves, to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. And he says, therefore, be alert. And you know, several other things he touches on there. But um, Ken, you, well, how, how long, how many years have you served as an elder? Well, let's see, I'm not sure if too long is an answer or not. <laughs> uh, Lots, thirty-five maybe? to forty, something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've, you've served in that capacity for a long time and I'm sure have had a, a bunch of different experiences and all, all sorts of different things, but just maybe for you as an elder, as you read these verses or for us as a, you know, as our session of elders here, um, just anything from these verses that you think is either helpful for us as elders to consider or for, you know, uh, congregants to consider about their elders or just any thoughts on that? Well, the, yeah, the, if, if you go back to that uh, Christianity and liberalism, the first part of that, I talked about the, my experiences in the Peace USA. And then also I added on to that where they are today, which is not surprising since they cut themselves off from the foundations. Yeah. And uh, in, in this situation here, uh, Fierce wolves will come in and not sparing the flock. And so it wasn't an option or, or something he saw it might happen. Right. It's something he saw that would happen. Right. And even rising up from in their midst. And so I think you have to be ever diligent. As I recall, the church in Ephesus, well, uh, 
they left their first love. It says in, <clears throat> I believe it's in Revelation yeah. uh, 3 or 4. I can't remember. There's your Revelation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but but they, they, left, they left the faith uh, after all had been in it. And it's also my understanding that they came back to the faith. Uh-huh. But the thing that we should do as a church is we have to think long term. Uh, this was brought up in the millennial uh, in the, in the yeah. question on the equip seminar. And so uh, as elders and as a church and as individuals, you ought not to think about just what's going to happen next week, uh-huh. the next six months. Uh-huh. But we should have a long term perspective. You know, uh, and think in terms of ten years and fifty years. Yeah, I mean uh, that we're all gonna we're all gonna pass on, and uh, there's gonna be that time when you know Paul he says you're not gonna see his face anymore. Well, that's gonna happen to all of us, and uh, yeah, we're not gonna we're not, we're not gonna see our face anymore because we're you know it'll be the last time for everything. Yeah, and uh, I think Jim mentioned in the sermon last week or the week before that there will be things that are left undone. And uh, so that's true personally, but as a church, we want to try to build a strong foundation. We want to have elders coming up. We want to have as much as possible uh, pastors coming up from Mm -hmm. our midst and keeping the the network so that we know where uh, future pastors will go. Jim's not going to always be able to go out and run uh, as far as he does. And, and, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, where 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 do we go? How do we do things so that we have a strong future? Because uh, it's we have a, a unique situation where uh, people care so much about each other, and we're being led. And Absolutely, that consciousness that we have that um, that uh, Jim's mentioned a couple times, and I mentioned it too. The doctrinally bound community seeking to live consistently. Well, uh, we are doctrinally bound, and we are a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we need the continued preaching of the of the word. We need elders that will uh, be faithful to the word and shepherd the people and guide them. Be involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you see, I've seen in the past. I've seen elders who were disengaged somewhat from from congregations, and or at least that was the appearance. And uh, you know, it's uh, that's not the way a church is going to grow. Yeah. But it can't all fall into the pastor either, at, right? At, at, all, at all, right? Or either shepherding or teaching or whatever, right? So it takes a it's a collective uh, effort, but but uh, the wolves will come in, and you've seen that in uh, in the Peace USA. Uh, some people would say in the PCA, you've seen things happen that are disturbing, which is of course we have. Uh, but it's not just our church or our denomination. Yeah. Uh, our church is blessed, but uh, you know it's we live, do live in a culture that is uh, going somewhere. Yeah. And as uh, Carl Truman says, you think you you think you, you you it couldn't go any further, and then something else happens, and you think, oh man, didn't think that ever. Yeah. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of where we are. Is like, yeah. Well, what happened today? Right. If you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as a church, we just have to realize. Those things are going to happen, and, and uh, we're just going to have to be diligent. Right. So. Yeah. It's a good word. Um, I think just seeing the reality of <clears throat> wolves will, will arise, men speaking twisted things. I mean, these things are going to happen. Um, and then 
one of the things in this passage that's always, um, I think, struck me and been instructive and helpful is, uh, you know, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves all the clock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. And so it's, it's God's church, but it's also God's appointment to, um, to be an elder. And like you said, you know, to be an elder isn't to be disengaged. It's actually to care for the church. And then, you know, and he adds some more of what that means. Um, I think just seeing at the end of the day, our role as elders is, is really one of service to the Lord. And just, you know, even as Paul says to do, to finish the course of his service, you know, this is, Part of it's not all, but it's part of our course of our service. Yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not that one day you wake up and somebody has voted you in as an elder. It's that uh, like everything else, you're doing things that are the work of an elder. You're serving people, and uh, if if your concern is to have that title of elder, you're probably not qualified to be an elder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing to aspire to it, but the as the aspiration is a as a path to service. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, if you're serving people, you should be satisfied with that. But at some point, uh, most likely your uh, your gifts, if you're called to be an elder, would be recognized. Right. And right. if not, then you should be thankful that that you are able to serve in whatever capacity you are serving. Right. Right. So. I mean, yeah. You know, some people get upset because they're not. In a leadership position, uh, but really, leadership comes through service. Some people, have, uh, some have never really learned to follow, and uh, so you have to do some following in the process yeah. of learning to lead. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, see, we didn't even make it through the whole chapter again. Well, I'm surprised. <laughs> So we'll, we'll pause or, or stop there for sake of time and for sake of the train, which I'm sure you all can hear. But um, just, can any final closing thoughts or words from you? No, I appreciate you asking me to come. I, I've always uh, heard I had a voice that was made for NPR radio. So uh, <laughs> Well, you got the face that goes for radio, too. So. <laughs> hopefully people stayed awake till the end. <laughs> there you go. Man. All right, well. Hope you all enjoyed it and uh, just encourage you, whatever service the Lord has for you this week, do it with joy and thankfulness. So, Ken, thanks for coming on. Yeah. All right. Thank you.